Cooking with Chopsticks. The truth about dictatorships. A podcast with Chin Li Wen and Marcel Chang. Hi Li Wen, how are you doing in Berlin? Hi Marcel, we are good. How's life in your village? It's not a village, come on. We still have 250,000 people. It looks like in a village a bit because a lot of people really go along with the government's recent recommendations. So it's really getting serious. We have a lockdown in Germany, not in all walks of life yet, but it's getting closer to that right now. I'm actually rather relieved to see that, although I think this should have been done one or two weeks earlier. And as we all know, now the world is learning at the price of some other nations' uh, severe conditions. Like in Iran and Italy, we now know that this virus spread at a lightning speed. So every government in Europe is reacting, and that is something good. And people, I think, still it takes a bit more time for people to react to it. But there are still quite some people who don't really realize what is going on. And yeah, yeah, just yesterday I saw some Berliners sitting in the restaurants near my neighborhood and sitting really close indoor. I'm really concerned still. <laughs> so I think it will take a bit more time. People's Daily, the Communist Party of China's mouthpiece, gave a comment and it says China can pull together the imagination and courage needed to handle the virus while the US struggles. And Xinhua, the official news agency from China, says Xi, so Xi Jinping, uh, president of China, has a pure heart like a newborn. <laughs> What comes up to your mind when you hear these, these kind of commentaries in these, in these media outlets? I don't know how to feel about it anymore because growing up in China, we, I mean, I, I still feel the remnant of Mao's time. When I grew up in the 1980s, you still saw the leftover of the propaganda in the Mao's time on old brochures and magazines. And you could still feel the kind of power of this omnipresent effort to make their national leaders saints and sacred and perfect. And that was, in my childhood, I consider it rather ridiculous. Because we were in 1980s, we had critical mind. Can you elaborate? Why did you feel strange about it? It's just embarrassing. It's embarrassing because as a child, actually, children are very, are much more suspicious to authority than you think. They look at their parents and they actually find out that they are just sometimes ridiculous and sometimes unjust. The adult's world is a strange world. It's full of things that they don't understand. You, you can force a child to oblige, to adore something, like to show adoration. But you cannot get rid of this suspicion of children's natural suspicion to authority, because children has this wild side, free side. And yet, when you are told as a child, look, don't talk negatively ever about someone or something, you, of course you feel there's something weird Like my father still had a statue of Mao at home, and he, I mean, he was he was a critical-minded person uh, even then. But he very carefully cleaned the statue of dust every week, and did not allow us children to touch it because he was afraid that we might break it by accident and cause the family trouble. And that was a habit. Decades of habit cultivated by the party, the fear. And so you also associate that with fear as well. But we were at the same time living in 1980s China. You know, that was an open-minded time. China was looking back to the Cultural Revolution and criticizing the, the mistakes made by Mao also. So that was a, a kind of very interesting time when the authority was still there, but the criticism was also there. And so... It's, it's sort of like a weird scenario for, for a child to grow up. If you as a child accidentally would broke the statue of Mao, your, your parents would have been blamed for it? They wouldn't. But the fear has been cultivated for so long. They just came out of Cultural Revolution. It was in 1976 yeah. that the Cultural Revolution ended. 
And then in the 80s, like it was only five years ago when people can get beaten to death if they break Chairman Mao's statue. So they were still afraid. Oh, and that trickles down till today, actually, right? Yeah, it trickles down still to today. This kind of fear is irrational and it's sort of going to your subconsciousness. So today we find that the Chinese government decided to change the narrative of the origin of the coronavirus. And it was the foreign ministry in one of its routine press conferences where one of the spokesperson literally said to claim that the origin of the coronavirus comes from China is absurd and it lacks any foundation. This is really a strong statement to claim that because there is so many indicators that it, of course, comes from China. Two months or nearly three months into the crisis, why does the regime turn so late to that different kind of sources narrative uh, when now they say it's absurd and lacks of any foundations? They should have much earlier turned to other sources and not start to looking in their own backyard. Yeah, I want to ask you, what was your first reaction? Well, yeah, I, my first reaction was, oh, come on. I mean, come on. I, I really felt for a moment, this is so idiotic. Well, at least it is idiotic because China has a lack of evidence to prove otherwise that it's not from China, you know. When you do a paternal test, the paternal test says 99.9% You are the father of a child and we turn to believe, well, this is true. Nobody really doubts there's this 0.1% or, or doubts because there's this 0.1% of, of lack in proving it totally right. So we still believe, okay, this is the father of the person because the test says 99.9% says it is. In this case now, there's so much evidence that the virus originates in China And still what happens is that China turns to the 0.1% of likelihood that it might come elsewhere and puts all in on this certain argument. And the crazy thing about it is you will find some people going along with it. It's not, well, literally it's bullshit what they say. And still you find a lot of people who would buy that, you know, who would start to think like, well, maybe, yeah, maybe. And, well, then you have to ask yourself a question. So why do we, are we two or three months into the crisis? Why don't we, why, why didn't we talk two or three months earlier about this option? Why did they try to, to find out where the virus came from? Why did they put on the, the whole censorship machine and everything just to, to finally say, okay, no, it's from elsewhere? Yeah. This, and I think we can finally enter our topic today, right? We can finally introduce our topic today which is the ideological war that China has launched against the Western democracy. The ideological war consists of two parts. It always consists of two parts. Each part depends on the other, which is censorship and propaganda. And what we are talking about today is propaganda. What has China done in this propaganda? It's part of the game to shift the blame. I mean, China have shifted its blame on the U.S. all the time, on everything, starting from the Cold War, when China was blaming the U.S. for isolating communist China in international society and for aiming at destroying the regime. So all the hardship inside China can find a scapegoat. You know, China, during the revolutionary years, we all know that. I mean, like 30 million people starved to death during the Great Famine from 1959 to 1962. And they all blamed this to the U.S. Although the real reason was that Mao Zedong's government at that time made a huge mistakes in the economic development policy. So this is just another usual blaming game. Whatever hardship that Chinese people has encountered due to domestic governing failure, they can always find a way to blame the Americans or the West in general. You can blame anyone you want, right? They don't deliver arguments that would refute the obvious. You know, blaming someone else is okay, but then in the first place, clean your own backyard. 
Mm. I mean, show us arguments that would refute that it is obvious where it originates from. And they don't do that. And, and this makes it so, well, so crazy, actually, to believe in their narrative yeah, that now. is something, a painful lesson as a journalist, um, not journalist, but media staff in all different sectors and levels, from print media to internet media. I have learned a painful lesson about how propaganda can work successfully despite all these rationale. Because first of all, we humans are irrational. We want to believe in things that we find soothing, comforting, or fitting into our worldviews and values. And so for many people in the West who believe in this propaganda from China, I think many of them has a, a lot of unsatisfaction towards their own government. So they adopt this propaganda because they want to use this as a justification for their anger towards the failure of their own governments. Their criticism and anger towards their own governments in the West could be justifiable, but they might be sometimes used by the Chinese government unknowingly in this ideological war. And, and definitely it's a, it's a game with fire, right? It's a very, very fine line to adapt propaganda from an authoritarian system if you want to relieve some of your anger towards your own government. Mm. And I would totally agree that you have anger with your government. Using propaganda from dictatorships to argue or to justify your own way of argumentation is a really fine line. And I see that th there's actually... You know, it reminds me of this uh, German politician um, who who praises the party mm. for doing a good job. He said they were doing good in, 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 in containing the virus. They were doing good in, in, in buying the West some time yeah. and with their yeah. strict measurements and stuff. Their hope is that their praise will funnel into a more transparent and more trustful cooperation with the regime. Yeah. But this is not the case. I'm convinced that an authoritarian regime will never, ever grant you any concessions for being nice no. to them. They will let you praise and honor them until you totally comply yeah. to their interests. I'm very surprised that after all these years, all, all these decades of cooperation with China, still so many people not aware of that, that what China wants is not equal partnership, but domination domination and control of the world order, of the values of the political system, ideology, etc. In the end, of course, yes, in the past decades, due to the globalization and also due to the, the hard work of the cheap labors in China and also the intelligence of the Chinese people, the West has benefited from China's market and China's talents. But from the Chinese government, from the Communist Party's government, You don't get anything without a high price. I mean, it's, it's very obvious, especially when this virus comes out and, and shook the foundation of all the regimes or governments around the world. I mean, Western democracy is now basically all in crisis due to this virus. And I don't know why so many people are still holding to the illusions. But as I said, people are willing to accept, uh, how to say, to accept views or cling to their views that that makes them feel good, feel comfortable, feel familiar. When, when you say something like this, when, when mm. you are strong on the concerns you have that an authoritarian system wants you to comply to your interests, you're very close to being criticized, to be racist, to be an ideologist, to not grant Chinese people the rise, the wealth and all these things. And I just want to really make mm. clear that, you know, I'm not an ideologist at all and I'm not anti-Chinese at all. You can believe me. And I think I told you before, I, I strongly believe that the impact the Chinese culture could have on Western countries would be an immense gain in life quality for all of us. Chinese people are so strong in debating. They are so contentious. If these contentions could go just freely, I'm sure that the output for the rest of the world would be massive. We in, in Western countries, especially in Germany, has been influenced by US culture in the last uh, century immensely. And there were a lot of good things, 
There were also bad things, but immensely a lot of good things. And I think the same positive effect could come from China to Western countries because there's so much intellectual power in China. There's so mm. much willing to change things for the good that we all would benefit from it. Just people are restrained by that authoritarian system. So when I say we should not praise certain things that come from authoritarian systems, I don't say that from an ideological point of view. I just say it from a political point of view. Isn't ideology part of politics? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that what you are saying is wrong. I completely agree. But I think this, there are two sides to, to this whole thing. I mean, first of all, we should not be afraid of talking about ideology because we are at an ideolo ideological war. And as many Western media have noticed or researchers have noticed that even the American government is very well aware of that, that this is my second point. The Chinese government's attack to Western democracy is very clear purposeful. So it says to justify the authoritarian system that it is defending. And so here we are, you mentioned a very interesting point. Actually, it's part of the narratives of the Chinese government's propaganda, which is to associate criticism to the Communist Party's government with racism. So first of all, the Chinese government deliberately confuse government and country or state. So when you talk about China, it wants you to think that China means Chinese government or the CCP government. It wants you to, to assume that China means CCP government. And this is the first faulty argument in this racism part of it. When we criticize China nowadays, we are actually criticizing the Chinese government, not the Chinese people who don't have the right to vote and thus have no choice which party to elect and to govern. We are not criticizing the race. Exactly. But the, in many of the propaganda, it is it, from China. It is about when you criticize Chinese government, they say you are humiliating Chinese, which is nonsense. Exactly. And the other thing is about this, like we should not be afraid of talking about ideology, but what kind of ideology we are talking about, right? We are not this from 20th century anymore. We have learned for a whole century what is the shortcoming of the left camp, what is the shortcoming of the right camp, what is the shortcoming of the, the, the liberal camp. And we are talking about different democracies in the West, like the social democracy in Europe and the more market-oriented, market-fundamentalism sort of democracy in the U.S., or the state capitalism and authoritarianism in China. And this sort of thing is much more nuanced than the communism against capitalism argument in the early 20th century. So why are we avoiding that? I mean, Chinese government has launched this ideological war ever since 2008, starting from the Olympic game, showing China as a model for the world, for the future of humankind. And yet in Europe, we are still so much afraid of talking about this, while China is using its propaganda machine globally, online and offline, in politics, in political uh, arena, as well as uh, public sphere, doing its own propaganda. Why are we afraid? I think it's all because of this. First of all, as you were immediately showing from your instinctive reaction, that criticizing China is criticizing Chinese race. That part is successfully done. People are afraid of criticizing China because they are afraid of being accused of racism. Yeah, I mean, if you criticize a country like North Korea, if you country uh, a country like Myanmar, for example, most people wouldn't blame you for being uh, racist or too ideologistic. Rather, yeah. they would they would comply and say, "Yeah, of course, it's a bad regime, yeah. right?" Like North yeah. Korea, how can you? They would say, "How yeah. dare they?" This is what they say. If you say the same things about China, yeah. you get a lot of responses, even from even from German people from, yeah. or from people all over the yeah. world who have been uh, raised with a liberal mindset. Even they start to say, look, this is the same old reflex they always have, especially you as a journalist, mm -hmm. right? We journalists are very often blamed for, for being anti-Chinese or uh, for having an agenda uh, to fight the Chinese regime and stuff. I 
don't have an agenda to fight the Chinese regimes. I just have my experience with authoritarian system that tells me, no, this is not the way we want to live together. By far, we don't want that. I'm not going to repeat what you just said, because I do think the regime needs to be changed in many ways that either it should democratize or it should just reform in a more democratic way. This is the first point. And the second point is that about what you mentioned about Myanmar or North Korea, we have to consider that, again, these countries are smaller countries. They don't have the same economic clout or influence in the world, but China has. And in the past decade, many people who criticize China, either in academic world or in politics even, uh, like Western politicians, would be punished by Chinese government and by Chinese market. Look, was it Lufthansa, the one whose Twitter account has published some Dalai Lama's oh, quote? No, there was, there was Daimler, but you could tell, call it uh, Lufthansa, Daimler, but yeah, they, they, yeah, they yeah, probably yeah. all would do the international, same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, international companies are all forced to kowtow to all the narratives of Chinese government. And when they apologize, they all say, I heard the feeling of Chinese people. Think about this narrative. Zhuhua is a word that has been repeatedly used. I mean, there are already academic paper doing research into this Zhuhua phenomenon, which was initiated very skillfully by the Chinese propaganda machine. Zhuhua means humiliate China or humiliate the Chinese. Whatever lines on international level adopted by the international companies, investors, or public media, or even governments, if they say something against the Chinese government's lines or narratives, they would be accused of zhuhua. For example, if you are describing what is happening in China, that China has heavy pollution, you would be criticized for hurting the feelings or humiliating the, the Chinese people. Although it's the Chinese people who complain first, right? <laughs> Loud and first, yes. Isn't it? Yeah. But did you remember still in 2008, before the Olympic Games, the, when the air in Beijing was so, so, so bad, that one of the athletes from the U.S. wore a kind of filtering mask when he arrived at the Beijing airport. Then his photo showed up on Chinese media, and he was he encountered furious accusation of looking down upon China. <laughs> I don't know how can you look down upon China by wearing a mask. I mean, because the air was really bad. Yeah. But then in the end, the poor athlete had to apologize. And that was already some successful campaign. And ever since then, we saw one after another. Like, you just search for companies apologize to China. And you will see that they apologize to China for all sorts of weird reasons. But most of them are, some of them are related to the Chinese government's narratives. But many of them were just responding to this instigated, extremely observed nationalist sentiments instigated by the Chinese government. Have you ever been accused of hurting the Chinese people's feeling? Not my single reporting. So it was not only my report that was criticized for hurting Chinese people. Mm. But of course, in certain subjects, mm. generally all the media reports were blamed as hurting the Chinese people. I had once mm. a very, very interesting propaganda experience that was really focused on just my reporting. Uh, it was uh, when, we, when we were mm. in Henan province and we were covering, well, we did interviews in these uh, HIV villages you you know about it. There was this big mm. HIV scandal in the 1990s in Henan province and where, where a lot of people has infected mm. uh, because there was blood donation demanded or that was advocated by the government and things turned totally wrong and, and, and people got infected because they reused the, the needles and injections. So really thousands and thousands of people got infected with HIV. So years later, we, we went to to Henan and we were talking to people in a, in a village. They told us back then, mm. independently from each other, 
that uh, just a few months ago, when uh, the former Prime Minister Wen Jiabao was visiting their village, they've been taken away by local authorities, officials. They were replaced by local officials who pretended to be the village people. And when Wen Jiabao came and would ask them, how are you doing? They would say, oh, the local government does a really good job and stuff. So we talked to two people independently. It wasn't mm -hmm. possible to talk more people in this village. We were under immense time pressure because we were mm -hmm. at threat to be exposed when we, were do when we did the reporting. Another English reporter reported the same, though, from another other village. Also there, the people told him, we've been replaced when Wen Jiabao came. So I made a report for a German language mm -hmm. news agency. That, was, that report was picked up Mm. by the Deutsche Welle, by the Chinese language Deutsche Welle and translated into Mandarin and put on their website. So it became, suddenly it became an uh, entrance to the Chinese language uh, region. So with this translation into, into Mandarin, it became more relevant for the Chinese language region. Yeah. And apparently that was kind of embarrassing for the prime minister to be played by yeah. his local authorities yeah. in Henan province. So indeed he was visiting this place in November and I published the article, I think it was published in February the next year, so three months. It was published and a few days later in China Daily, the, Engli the English language China Daily, there was a report saying when the about visit to the Henan province, HIV affected villages did really good for the locals And my very first impulse was to think, what? I mean, it's, it's February and they, they're giving us this boring story of November. And I thought, okay, boring stories is pretty normal in a propaganda newspaper. But still, at least they do it on time, right? He visits it. Then they have the report. But why would they do it three months later? And it turned out to be a direct answer to my reporting. And uh, it was in the lead up to the Olympics back then. And it became... Well, it became a problem for me because uh, they wanted to strip me off my accreditation and stuff because they claimed that uh, the reporting was not very sensitive. They didn't even dare to say it was wrong. What they said is it wasn't very sensitive to write that. Well, at the end of the day, I was lucky to get a new accreditation and stuff, but that was the only experience when my personal reporting was targeted directly from the Chinese propaganda. And when the propaganda actually takes over, it's, it's really hard to, to conserve your own narrative, right? And you see what, what happens right now in, in our Europe and in Germany and also other countries, that people start to think, ah, but you know, maybe, maybe, who knows, maybe it comes from the US and stuff. So it has its effect. So I, I, that's, that goes back to what I said earlier, when I said the ideological war consists of two parts. One is censorship, which is the situation that you encounter. The other is propaganda. And these two go hand in hand because censorship plays the role of hiding the truth to cover up everything that doesn't look good. And propaganda do the other job, which is to beautify everything, right? To shape the view, perception of the world towards Chinese government or towards China model, so-called, in a positive way. Get rid of the negativity and only show you the positive side. And that is why it is so successful. Exactly. Yeah. I have written down some, uh, believe it or not, I have written down something here to prepare. So uh, I, have, uh, I have some points where I think how to define propaganda and I would mm. like you to, to comment on it. My definition of propaganda, how can I find out it is propaganda? The very first thing is when the regime relates every positive aspect of a certain development, when they relate it to their action, right? So they... They start to talk about, like Xi Jinping did now, they start yeah. to talk about parties' history when they talk about the coronavirus. <laughs> they talk about the strength, yeah. about the spirit, yeah. about the culture. Come on, this has nothing to do with the, current, with the current crisis. I mean, who wants to know about the party's history when we're talking about coronavirus? So if this happens, you, can, you must be highly alerted, I think, that you're facing here a huge propaganda wave coming on. The second one is a 
when they start to talk in superlatives, mm. when a leader or the media talk in superlatives, here we can bridge it to Donald Trump, actually. He always says about the greatest economy, uh, the best, the most, the biggest, the whatever, always is superlative, never, never been better. And the same happens, happens here in this crisis again, again, that the propaganda and Xi Jinping as well, always they talk in superlatives. There's no mediation in it. Mm. There's just one way, the most, the biggest. Yeah. You know, there's so many arguments coming now from the other side or that has come from the other side. Actually, the arguments were produced by China itself, searching at the food market for the origin of the virus, focusing the search in their own borders, basically. So these arguments are not mentioned at all anymore in this kind of propaganda. It's, it's, they, they're like totally deleted um, I think one, one of the one of the good things, tell me if I'm wrong, but use your common sense as well. If your common sense tells you, come on, this is ridiculous what they're saying, there might be a big chance that it is ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with all of the good advice you, you have given. I, I think it's very good to to tell, like immediately to spot, like when is the Chinese government or the Communist Party is appropriating all the success for itself, for its own achievements, even though the president has not been to Wuhan until one month later. During the, the heavy outbreak, the president was hiding in Beijing. And yet the moment he landed in Wuhan, one month later after everything was pacified, quiet down, he claimed all the, all the achievement to himself which is, of course, you see it very clearly. This is propaganda. And as to gut instinct, I think that's a bit difficult for the Western, especially German, I think German audience, German public, they have this sort of cultivated caution to see other countries as different, to see China as different from like Chinese different from Germans and etc. They, they see it in such a way that they start to doubt every judgment they make uh, based on gut instinct when it comes to Chinese affairs in China. And so your advice is very good that trust your gut instinct. Say, if German government do this, would you be equally happy about it? Or would you, would you also applaud for it? If German government say, hey, you guys all stay at home because there is an epidemic and I'm going to lock your door. I'm going to weld your door to stop you from going out. And not only that, in the meantime, you cannot order food uh, from online freely, but you have to buy the food from the local neighborhood governing body at a price five times of the market price. And all these you have no say. There is no discussion. There is no preparation for your financial income, for you know social insurances of any kind, or even there is. There's not reliable social insurances. Would you applaud for your own government if your government does this to you? Right. You wouldn't. But why would you applaud for Chinese government for jailing their citizen at home? ignoring their safety, starving, lots of humanity tragedy happening during this lockdown in Wuhan and other Hubei city. Would you applaud for that if this happened in Germany? You wouldn't, right? Probably not, no. So, yeah, why would you ignore all this tragedy and applaud for Chinese government achievement well, when it happened in China? Yeah. The thing is that the Chinese propaganda gets support from pretty renowned people, right? Like like um, World Health Organization General General Secretary Tedros. He mm. praised Xi Jinping for his very rare leadership, for his level of engagement. I mean, come on, he's the leader of this country. What else does he have to do than fighting the crisis? Of course, he has. And <laughs> instead of blaming, yeah. instead of blaming a country, I mean, you don't need to blame a country more than necessary, but. If I say blaming, I mean point out the problems also for, for future crises to come as a World Health Organization. So going yeah. and say, look, this was too late. There was a mistake. Mm. We have to do these things better. We could do the containment much stricter in this case. We could deploy people 
and protection suits and stuff rather yeah. quickly. There must be more communication. There's so many things you could figure out and start to criticize to improve them, not to criticize generally someone to make him feel bad, but to improve things. This would be the least thing the World Health Organization could do to benefit, to make us benefit all from that for future crises. Yeah. But instead, there's no criticism of that. And there is there's a praise of the leadership of Xi Jinping. Yeah. The funny thing, well, funny, it's not funny, but the tricky thing behind it, mm. Tiros is an Ethiopian, right? Mm -hmm. Ethiopia is in deeper relations now with China than ever before. They signed a big deal in November with the Chinese internet company Alibaba. Mm. Jack Ma traveled mm. several times to Ethiopia. They will set up the infrastructure for an online service and stuff. The reaction was from Jack Ma just this weekend that mm. he donated for the whole continent. Yeah. Each country 100,000 protection masks, 10 to 20,000 yeah test kits, interaction between China and Ethiopia. So it goes via Ethiopia. So the Ethiopian president now mm. stands there as the hero for the rest of the country because of his good relation with Alibaba, uh, yeah. which, has, which has also a lot of influence on the Chinese, um, uh, from the Chinese government. Um, yeah. So there's a lot of indicators that should make us very wary about the things. It's a good thing, I think, that Alibaba that Jack Ma donates these things. Come on, if someone mm. helps, he gives these kind of protections. If we can protect the African country to be overrun like the European uh, continent, it's, it's a good thing at the end. But let's stay wary about the background of the things, what is going on. And now that you see that uh, Tedros is an Ethiopian as well, I mean, mm. it at least makes me a bit wary. I don't know how you think about it, but I feel a bit uncomfortable with the whole setup of the, v of the WHO, Alibaba, Ethiopia, President and and these relations. Yeah, I mean, uh, you, your concern is completely mine as well. And I think you have put your finger on a button of an explosive that will make many people explode. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I was attacked by this EU, the senior diplomat, for spreading fake news, that sort of right, thing. But yes. we have to face the reality today that China's propaganda is done on so many levels successfully because it combined its uh, economic and power. Oh, it's very resourceful. China is very resourceful in politics as well as in economy economy and so we are basically talking about what you have mentioned is this propaganda combined with a state might a state's resource so one side is that when you when we talk about who we're not talking about who we're also talking about the director of the delegation of who going to china in February, they were allowed to go to China, right? And they went to China initially. China said, you can only go to Beijing and Shenzhen. Like, what's the point? Why don't you go to Wuhan? So after quite some discussion back in the closed door, they had to allow the delegation to go to Wuhan. And the head of the delegation is Dr. Bruce Aylward, an American expert. I'm sure he's very well-respected and I'm sure he's a real expert. But in a press conference, he was praising China for all the effort, right? And he was giving very weird comments, like, like everybody is blaming China for not having this and that. But if I got infected, I would like to be treated in China. And what was his argument? What was the evidence he gave for this? He said, because I asked the Wuhan hospital how many ECMO machine they have in one hospital. And they said, for they told me they're... For, for, for breathing support. Yeah, 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 supporting the breathing system when your own lungs fail. And he said they have dozens of it in one hospital. And in the US or in other countries, we don't even have that number in the whole country something like that. But does that really, is that really an expert's opinion? I mean, can you believe that, that a whole medical service, it's not only counted according to how many ECMO you have, right? You it's, kind have of, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cringy actually to listen to that when, when you, I mean, you can, you can, yeah. you can say, look, 
they did a good job here, they did a good job there. It's, it's, nothing speaks against against pointing out good mm. things that happened. No. Nothing. But, no, you know, but you don't have to sail in front of the press and in front of the world and tell, I'd like to be treated in China if I were to Yeah, that is I mean, a propaganda. Uh, there is a huge problem with his argument because Wuhan has 1.4 million people. And they have so many breathing machines, that's normal, because it's like a one country size in, in Europe, right? So <laughs> you, cannot, you cannot do this kind of calculation with such an amateurish comments about such a thing. And on the other hand, if you look at the doctors and nurses there who were fighting for a month in rubbish bag, protecting themselves without proper gear, without hazmat suit, And what did he comment about that? Nothing. He didn't say anything about this short of supplies and everything. He said he would like to be treated in China if he were infected. So this brings me to the conviction that World Health Organization is either compromised or they have no idea what they are talking about. Let's hope they're rather compromised and they have no idea what they talk about, right? Yeah, it sounds like that. So whatever. I mean, if, so, you, yeah, if you have to pick one, uh, I yeah. prefer the, the yeah. first one in this case. <laughs> whatever it is, now China is very successful. It, this is part of the propaganda. Like I have several points about how China does its own propaganda globally. But one of the important points, one of the important aspects is to buy or to influence or to manipulate the renowned organizations and individuals in the world. This is one case we talk about World Health Organization. But mm. they also buy other, you know, lots of these uh, so-called China experts. For example, Professor Daniel Bell in Tsinghua University, he used to work for very renowned American institution, research institution, and now working in Tsinghua. And he published this book called The China Model 10 years ago praising China for its own unique model of combining unique type of democracy with efficiency, and it will be the model for the world, governing oh model. Yes, all these oh sort of propaganda, they ha it has been going on for decades, right? It's, it's not difficult to buy opinions. And, and, and here's exactly a good mm. point, a good point when, when you say, Uh, someone uses the term of Chinese-style democracy. Yeah. Um, use, this is what I said before, please use your common sense. <laughs> An authoritarian system, a one-party yeah. system, and democracy totally contradicts each other. And there's no way to connect mm. an authoritarian system and a democracy. It contradicts itself. So use your common sense and see, hey, this can't be the real thing. But apparently it works out that people start to use the term of Chinese-style democracy. There is no Chinese-style democracy. It is not democracy, <laughs> not, <laughs> not even Chinese-style. It is not at all democracy. It is an authoritarian regime, and it will stay an authoritarian regime as long as we go with the Communist Party. This is how it is. Exactly. And it's frustrating to see. It's frustrating to see sometimes that people would pick up on these things and start mm. to argue from that point of view. They use an argument saying, "Yeah, but look, it's so it's such a huge country, and yeah, it's a huge country, but it's still not a democracy, even if they call it a democracy." <laughs> And as a Chinese democracy, it is not. It is an authoritarian system. This is what it is and what it stays for good, well, at least yeah. with the Communist Party. Yeah, this is, again, common sense is a good, uh, good point. Again, coming back to this second part of your previous um, statement about China buying its way into Africa, I'm not being double standard. I think everybody, every country, every nation uh, has its own way of exerting the influence and strengthening the mutual interest with another region and countries. So, for example, when China donates all these coronavirus testing kits via Jack Ma, we all know that Jack Ma is now the vehicle for Chinese government's uh, diplomacy now, donating these testing kits and masks to not only Africa, but also to the US. And also we see China bringing all this sort of propaganda everywhere alongside. So it's a kind of like competing of national power and resource combining with propaganda. So it never comes free, right? Of course, in other, other nations also, also do the same. But what I see is the lack behind 
in this ideological competition or propaganda or, or whatever promotional effort, the failure in Europe. For example, Switzerland has bought 240,000 masks from a German company, which has imported this mask mostly from China. Before Germany has imposed mask export ban, strictly speaking, this is also exporting masks from German company to Switzerland. German customs stopped this truck that shipped the mask from Germany to Switzerland at the border, and so Switzerland protested against this. And this thing was described as a huge fiasco all over Chinese media. Now, Chinese internet users believe that Europe is in such a failure. European governments have failed so much that they start to rob masks from each other. Germany was robbing masks from Switzerland, which is, you know, the reality was completely different. This is a negative campaign that China is doing to its own citizens against Europe. What I notice is that Germany has now delivered a lot of masks. I think I, I, I'm not sure about I'm so bad with numbers, but really a significant amount of masks to Italy recently. I remember seeing it somewhere. And when I tried to find this news again, I couldn't find it. Like it's all silently done. There is no PR about this. And so nobody right. knows that Germany is doing its own job as well you know, as much as it can also to support other countries. Maybe Germany is not doing enough, but when it does something, it should tell the world, but it doesn't. So now the whole world is accusing European Union not doing anything. Germany is only caring for itself and etc., etc. We are facing a big crisis of European Union. And Germany is the role model. What are we doing? We are basically seeing cartoons, cartoons drawn, I believe, by people who are working with Chinese propaganda department of this cute cartoon of the map of Italy and two doctors, one wearing its Italian national flag and one wearing Chinese national flag, holding Italy up, showing that China is helping Italy to hold up in the crisis while European Union just sit there and watch. So let's see this competition. Like, it's really dangerous right now. We are in a dangerous state when China's narratives is taking over. They're doing a good job with that. I mean, you have to admit that, right? I mean, this yeah. is really very effective, I think, because... And yeah, yeah they, but they, they are doing it in a way that we would never do. You know what? They lie. They lie, exactly, yeah. they, they lie to the Chinese people and even also globally that they donated medical equipment to Italy. But in reality, Italy purchased these medical equipment. They manipulate the facts. They twisted the facts, even invented facts in their social media campaign. And, and the propaganda works both ways, right? It works for the instability because people think or might think mm. or are aimed to think from the yeah. propaganda point of view that it's going bad there. And here's what was not too bad so that people start thinking, um, well, why should we actually change the Communist Party when things are pretty better than they are in Europe? And of mm. course, they work to the outside, to yeah. us, on us, on our society. Not that... You and me and a lot of other people would totally buy what comes from there. But you have a lot of people who just get that bubble of different opinions where actually no two opinions should prevail. And mm. from this new point of views coming from the propaganda machine to here, we're starting to get irritated. We start to, to lose track. Ah, what is real? What is, what, is, what is wrong? And it works pretty well because I, as a journalist, encountered a lot of criticism for being critical on certain things on China because I was blamed for being ideological. I, I said that all before. And, and I think this is also a result. So the propaganda works and we're just in the state of it just began, to be honest. I think 2008, the Olympic Games were like the initiator. There it was sparked. It became a huge worldwide propaganda process that yeah. was implemented by the party. Hmm. And we're just 10 years into it or 12 years. And the EU is struggling with certain things. You know, we don't find a concept to be unified. Brexit gives us a hard time. You know, it looks like from the outside and it, it, it really is like we're not unit on a lot of subjects. 
And now yeah. there comes this strong propaganda from a very, very powerful country with a lot of money, with a lot of means to influence yeah. others and tries to actually divert us. And they're really doing a good job. I mean, as, as alarming as it is, from their point of view, they're doing a really effective and good job. And we really have, this is why we're actually talking here, to make it public to others, to listen to us, to get an idea, well, how big the threat is actually we're facing from, from this kind of... And, and here again, please, let me say, it's not a threat by Chinese culture or by Chinese people. It is a threat of an authoritarian system. We're talking about a political regime. We're not talking about people. We don't, we're not racist. We're not talking yeah. about culture. It is about political regimes. And this is happening right now, pretty yeah. intensive. And we are so, you know, the thing, we are so much engaged in our own stuff right now in Europe that we don't even have the time. Well, time is not the right word. We don't have the censors probably. Yeah. to realize that massive propaganda that's coming over from the Communist Party, from the authoritarian propaganda overwhelming us. And we don't censor it. We don't have the time. We don't have the, we don't have the inspiration to, to just pick out what actually point to uh, propaganda. We just take it, as for, we take it for granted. I think And it's very... Real, real threat. There is a reason for that because the industries in Germany or in Europe has benefited so much from Chinese market that they have make a lot of they have done a lot of lobby and they also have censored themselves and cooperated with these narratives from Chinese government along the way. Look back to the past decades, how many of these international business leaders have enthusiastically praised China model and envy the China model because it's so easy to make money for them over there. Yeah. It's so efficient. And they never consider that this efficiency is at the cost of the health and rights of many Chinese citizens because they can conveniently ignore that. As to the unawareness, why are we ignorant? In the West, we people are so afraid of it. We have to consider that the interest that is supporting the industrial interests and business interests that is supporting these narratives from Communist Party. And the other thing, of course, is China is powerful. We are witnessing the propaganda, the success in quantity, in technology, and in the speed. Quantity-wise, China has purchased a lot of Chinese media abroad internationally. So basically all the Chinese media nowadays that are based abroad have been more or less approached by Chinese government and many of them have got the sponsorship from Chinese government or China Chinese companies. That much I know because of my personal experience uh, or connections. As to English media or uh, media all over the world, there are already also quite some reports and research into this, like how China influenced Western media buying local newspaper or buying local newspaper service, not newspaper only, but TV advertisement and etc. For example, in, in Times Square, the biggest advertisement screen in New York City, how they show propaganda videos there uh, since 2008, it has become part of the game. And when it comes to Hollywood, every year there are seven to eight blockbusters in Hollywood are invested by Chinese company or Chinese money. All the Hollywood film scripts have to consider, uh, writers have to consider, if I want this film to be shown in China, which is a big market, I have to avoid criticizing China in it. This is actually what it what it what it says. The bottom line of this is is our own economical interests. Uh, we have to curb a bit, and that not only applies probably for the entities and for companies operating in China, but also to the consumers. Yeah. It's not about boycotting Chinese companies, but to be more picky, to not make ourselves that much dependent from an authoritarian system and this is what's happening right we we're really dependent on it and we're not we're not willing to give away some of these or comfortness because it's it's so easy no you know chinese make it very china makes it easy for us and as long as we don't hold back ourselves in certain in certain areas of consumption yeah um it's it's a problem of all of us as consumers and we're not yet 
drawing the right conclusions? I think it would be difficult. I mean, in this part, I mean, this is, again, we're going into the industrial uh, interests. It's difficult to argue against an interests because, you know, companies' goal is to make money and provide jobs. But one thing is we have to evaluate the short-term gain and the long-term gain against each other because they are at a conflict here. Many German car companies in China, they earned a lot of money in Chinese markets. But what they had to pay is their technology and all these sort of compromises they have to make in the long run. Gradually, China will take over. The economic interest, the, the business interest will not be there for another 10 years. Actually, China is already taking over. The car companies in China, I mean, they, it will be electric cars from China and everything. And a German car company will not be able to make as much money as they did. And you have to consider that no matter how much compromise you make and, and the more you extol China model, the more you are digging the grave for yourself. And the second one is the success of Chinese government's propaganda in technology. One thing I noticed, a significant change. Ten years ago, when I searched on Google, some keywords about ongoing events in Chinese, I could get a lot of different views, really a rich variety of resources, tell me different views on these ongoing events in Chinese. But nowadays, when I type in such a keyword in Chinese in Google, the first page is full of official media's propaganda. Yeah, that's pretty significant. That is because, I guess, not that Google has done anything about it, but because Chinese government has figured out how to use the search engine optimization to bring all the official propaganda to the front page to optimize it. Like the government has so many talents working for it and also so many uh, resources there that it, it can do this. No private media can do that well. And the third success is the speed. It's really fast in, in churning out the propaganda materials. And it's very good at using, appropriating, robbing the new tools and new jargons or new popular phrases and expressions and music, whatever it is in the popular culture, and use it for propaganda's purpose. Especially the, the social media, like Chinese government is so good at using it that they quickly came up with songs that praise the temporal hospital built during the Wuhan coronavirus outbreak, how great it is. And it's like a paradise almost that the patients, after, uh, after they recover, they, they don't want to leave. They don't want to leave. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yes. Or live broadcasting the process of building this temporal hospital. That's sort of like making it an entertainment for people who were stranded at home. Oh, let's watch how everything is going on on, the, on this amazing project. And then actually, yeah. when the Europeans are marveling at it, at the speed of it, they really forget that a temporal hospital in Europe could be built in four days. We have the better technology. We have this sort of temporal outdoor kind of tent-like, inflated tent-like kind of hospital that could provide everything and much safer at much better quality. How can we forget that? In Italy, they already did that. And actually, Italy donated quite some of this temporal hospital uh, to Wenzhou when Wenzhou has the earthquake. And how come we forgot that? On Facebook, I saw that link about that very quick setup of this new hospital yeah. facility, this makeshift, yeah, makeshift yeah. hospital. And how yeah. come, yeah, why, why do, do we, we forget, forget it? it? Because yeah, why, why we are we not as fast in our PR efforts. In our part is PR. In China, the Chinese government part is propaganda because they don't care about truth, right? They don't care about fact, very verifying, verification. So quantity, speed, and technology. China is very good at that. Li Wen, as you know, I could uh, keep mm. on going talking to you endlessly. It's always fascinating It's to talk to you. Uh, I think we have to yeah. limit it. My, my father was complaining. It was too long the last time. It was all in English <laughs> and it was so long. So... 
Sorry. Um, he's, but yeah, we can uh, we can keep it's it a, like this. It's a great yeah. thing. For the well, maybe as a final, I want to say th this is reason enough to praise a lot of very brave and very determined Chinese citizens who do the reporting by themselves to try to display the reality in all over China, not only regarding Corona, but a lot of other subjects as well, to just say, I have to report the real thing. This is not what's going on here and try to give people a voice. There's so many people of them in China doing their job properly and 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 also in preserving the the facts, right? Collecting what's on the internet as alternative facts to the government's yeah. official announcement and Uh, it's admiring to see that these people have a lot of courage and and still the energy and always the energy to to just keep to you know facing punishment facing problems for their families and still willing to just do what they feel is the right thing this is yeah, really admiring yeah I, i agree with that of course thanks for the time thank and, you too uh, yeah to all our listeners <laughs> we'll be back in two weeks i hope and uh, with another exciting subject mm. it's an endless an endless yeah. flow of subjects coming out of that corona thing so we'll yeah. see what we talk about in two weeks Liwen, thank you very much enjoy yeah. enjoy please. your enjoy yeah. your thank isolation you. in berlin don't let the time to get too long for you thank you you too bye bye, bye. with chopsticks the truth about dictatorships a podcast with Chin Li Wen and Marcel Chanel